Welcome to the HR Room Podcast, the podcast series from Insight HR, where we talk to business leaders from around Ireland and share their advice on how to create the HR systems and workplace culture that's right for your business. For show notes and bonus content, simply visit www.insighthr.ie forward slash podcast. And remember, if you need any HR support, get in touch with us at Insight HR. Whether it's conducting a complex workplace investigation, filling a gap by providing you with a virtual or on-site HR resource, or providing advice via our HR support line, we'll help you resolve whatever human resources challenge your business is facing. Okay, let's get started. Hello and welcome to another episode of the HR Room Podcast. The skills crisis, diversity and inclusion, the great resignation, HR burnout, these are all huge topics for HR teams and businesses everywhere. But imagine if there was one seemingly small area of HR that could help with all of these things. Today, we're delighted to be joined by two people who may have all the answers to this little mystery. Um, the wonderful Amira Blomberg, Chief Strategy Officer at RefApp, and Nicholas Elberg, Account Manager at RefApp, a recruitment platform for efficient and in-depth reference checks that helps companies make successful hires. Thanks for joining us. How are you both? Doing great. Thank you so much, Owen, for having us. Brilliant stuff. Delighted to have you both on. And as always, we're joined by our very own Mary Cullen, Founder and Managing Director here at Inside HR. How are you, Mary? I'm great, Owen. Brilliant stuff. Brilliant stuff. Uh, so let's let's jump right in. Um, so, Amir, I'll come to yourself first. So it's been a big period of change around kind of all areas of HR in recent years. But can you talk to us first about some of the big trends you're seeing, not just in kind of the reference checking side of things, but just in, I suppose, recruitment as a whole? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, yeah, it certainly has been a period of change. Um, I don't necessarily believe that these changes has had um, any uh, major effects on the big trends when it comes to recruitment in specific, more like maybe HR in general with uh, hybrid workspace and uh, well-being and all uh, these kinds of things that has emerged. But um, uh, the ongoing trends that we see today uh, in recruitment is part of the same movement that we have had for, for years now. now like um, higher for attitude and train for skills or putting more emphasis on potential. Uh, we've been talking about that like forever, uh, but now it's actually happening. Um, and um, maybe then one trend though that really emerged is of course, um, recruiting remote, right? We had to do it. Uh, we suddenly didn't have a choice anymore. So, but the trends were already there, uh, like mechanical interpretation instead of holistic or clinical interpretation in assessment. And of course, then um, 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 if we were uh, to name the trends then in terms of the wanted effect, I would say that these are uh, time efficiency, and accuracy, because everybody knows that a bad hire will damage the company, of course, uh, and transparency. We need to be transparent in order to ensure a good candidate experience. Um, the candidate will always feel that it's you know rough going through this process, but transparency will, will make it easier on the candidate. And then also fairness. So we want to be evaluated properly and not prejudged on some demographic factor that you know doesn't have anything to do with performance, really. We really saw that during during COVID, or we were worried at RefUp. Uh, at the time, we were only eleven people, and we were worried that that basically we would have um, users dropping off, um, being like saving costs or not recruiting as much. But we really saw the opposite trend. Now that that COVID kind of forced uh, digitization to to happen, and you had to have a very structured and, and efficient process. 
So uh, there was a um, very interesting thing, almost the opposite of what we first, our first initial um, reaction was to COVID. Yeah, definitely. I think it's, it's something that a lot of people think of. I think, I suppose, Nicholas, when people think of reference checking, typically they probably think of it as kind of a straightforward, kind of almost kind of single purpose kind of task. Um, but that's not all it is, is it? Yeah, I think that that a lot of um, a lot of HR people are really doing uh, reference checking out of habit, and they haven't thought too much about what do I really want to get out of my reference checking. I think that's that's a huge part, and and uh, it's you know going going back and, and looking kind of at the at the history of RefUp, um, and and where we come from. We come from Sweden, where where the the norm is more to have this as a as a uh, an assessment part where we gather lots of different kinds of data and uh, we do we do like the employment check and clearing up if there are any questions or any any kinds of of uh, you know things that you're wondering about regarding the candidate but but also getting um, insight in terms of how to uh, how is this person perform? The, how do we lead this person going forward? There, there's a lot more that we usually gather, and and in order to to um, to get the most out of this, is, that's we reflected quite a bit when we built built the platform. And, and Mary, I think I know a lot of a lot of HR teams leaders over the past few years. I think adapting to new technologies has always kind of been a challenge. I know it's been a kind of a talking point in HR for quite a number of years now. Um, but I think it's it's something that nearly has to be done. I think we we do see a lot of discussion in that area of adapting to new technologies like this, Mary, don't we? We've talked a lot about it on this particular podcast about um, how HR need to catch up with the digitization of, of the workplace. And, you know, I suppose reference checking is one of those areas that anyone who has ever been involved in any form of um, high volume recruitment would understand that the you know challenges of going through the process and reference checking people um, can be quite time consuming and laborious you're chasing people um, and you know trying to get information from people you've got two challenges when it comes to references one is time um, and the sheer amount of time that this takes sometimes it's dropped altogether and those reference checks aren't done. Uh, and then the other is chasing people um, getting them, actually getting people to respond to your reference request. And then when you do get them, how much information are they actually willing to share? A lot of large organizations now have a stated policy that they won't do anything other than confirm dates of employment. But that being said, in HR, we're always trying to track down people that will tell us something, that will share information about the performance and the capability, uh, the track record, any history of uh, disciplinary issues, and any, anything that the new employer ought to know. But that's not an easy process. And anything that can help to speed up the process, make it more efficient, make it easier for the candidate, the recruiter, the hiring manager, uh, and those who are asked for references um, makes life much, much easier. I think it's one of the, the big topics that we, we spoke about as well at the top of the, the call as well, Amir. It's around that kind of area of the skills crisis. 
obviously yeah. when you talk about recruitment things like that that's the number one issue that seems to be screaming at people really it's the skills crisis and the great resignation that kind of stuff how can reference checking in particular kind of fill an organization skills gap or or go towards helping it at least yeah yeah and that's of course a <laughs> very good question um and i think we have to start with defining what we mean by skills right uh, so we have the hard skills and we have the soft skills or power skills or what do you want to call them or we have the fluff and the stuff so uh Historically, we have been very focused on the stuff, uh, on the hard skills. What does someone actually know about something and the experience of a certain uh, area or or, uh, previous uh, jobs? Um, But we know that um, knowledge uh, becomes obsolete uh, and the time frame uh, gets more and more narrow. So uh, what you know today uh, may not help you tomorrow. So when we developed the REFA platform, this was, of course, also something that we really had to think about. What is the purpose of reference checking? What kind of data are we looking to, to collect? And also, if you're a serious recruiter, you have seen the Hunter and Schmidt article. Uh, they did a summary of meta-analytic findings when it comes to predicting job performance. And they established in that summary that reference checking has low validity when it comes to predicting performance. And still, this is a very common process step. So we teamed up with one of the most prominent researchers uh, within organizational psychology. And what we found was that reference checking in the Hunter Schmidt summary was in fact more of a background check than anything else. Uh, So, but what actually does predict performance is the observer ratings. Meaning in this case, uh, former managers and or colleagues providing input on behavior. So uh, past behavior predicts future behavior and performance is a set of behavior that you need in order to be successful. So this led us to uh, observed personality um, where self-rated personality is already something that we use as a valid data point in a recruitment process, personality tests, uh, for example. But what, what we found is that observed personality can be even a better predictor for performance than self-rated personality. So in our platform, uh, the focus in our questionnaires is on behavior-oriented questions. And we also teamed up with psychometric companies such as Aeon, SHL, and we now have several competency frameworks represented in our platform, meaning that you can work competence-based throughout the whole process, including the reference checking. Um, So maybe (laughs) we're not solving the skills crisis, right? But we... uh, Uh, With our tool, uh, you can be sure uh, to put the behavior aspect in focus, which is something that will last more of a time than than actual hard skills or um, knowledge and experience. Yeah, I think a lot of a lot of the times we talk about in this podcast, Mary, is kind of the timing of these things as well. Like I know we've spoken there about the great resignation, skills crisis, that kind of thing. And I know we've kind of talked about things like updating your handbooks, your policies, that kind of stuff. But it's probably a good time to innovate these kind of processes as well. I know obviously COVID and the pandemic has accelerated a lot of that, but it's still right on time. If you were to do it now, you'd be getting it right. Would that be the case? 
Yeah, I think it's well worth checking out anything new that comes onto the marketplace and seeing, you know, how it could be used within your particular organization. Um, I've had a look, Nicholas uh, gave me a demonstration of RefApp um, before, uh, a couple of weeks ago now at this stage, Nicholas, um, and it's a really nifty platform. Um, and, you know, I threw myself back into the days when I was involved in high volume recruitment in the IT and finance sectors and uh, thought to myself, my life could have been so much easier had we, as a team, had this kind of a platform. So I'm a real believer that, you know, rather than looking at something and saying, oh, you know, we managed this process very well already internally in-house, which is what HR people tend to do. We've always done it this way. We'll continue to do it this way. But again, to save time where you can work on the higher value projects and use automated systems to get the kind of data that you need and then be able to store it uh, correctly and build it into your HR system, you know, to be able to store this information in a way and link it back into your own systems uh, makes a huge amount of sense. Uh, so again, it's really about embracing what's new and different out there on the marketplace. I don't pretend to be somebody who embraces uh, all forms of technology. I tend to, you know, hang on to my phone until it's dead and I have no option but to upgrade and you know I tend to get used to operating certain systems and get familiar with them and like them and tend to hang on to them but I'm also aware that I always need to keep an eye to the future and to look at how we can innovate and change do things faster do things more efficiently um get better information, get different data points and sources. You know, the reference checking piece of the recruitment process always takes time. And it's the bit that I see HR sometimes just gloss over. I, I couldn't get that person. Yeah, but I only tried once or twice, really. Uh, and they didn't respond to me. So therefore, I couldn't get the information. Um, something that it is operating without you having to pursue it is uh, important. Nicholas, you may have a view on this. Yeah, I think that just to tie into what, what we were just saying before is that that obviously there there can be certain limitations to company guidelines and and uh, and just ways of working that limits how much you can get out of a reference check, of course, and and that's that's to be followed. Um, however, I think also that that um, just in the terms of technology, I think that we've we've gone from having a like a, a you know the a, you, it was the the common thing to always call a reference person five to ten years ago in Sweden and before uh, we always had a very analog flow or, or way of doing things, um, and I think that that um, if it's clearly something that's um, that's more usable, it, it will catch on. I think that's something that we've seen in the past four years. We got established, I think, about six years ago. That was when, when the thought was initiated. And I think we, we as a company got really established in 2018. And um, the, the amount of stories that, that 
our founder was telling us in in terms of just the way to to change behavior it took a lot of time uh, in the initial parts of, of our journey um and also but to, to get people to start working in different way with reference checking was really hard but but the upside of, of it as well like Amira was was saying earlier is that you can you can make it much more structured uh, you can decide beforehand what do I want to get out of my reference check uh, and tie it into your competency framework possibly and and to ask ask more of a character reference uh, and and also to it's not dependent so much on the person that's doing the reference check of course there are always competent people that will be able to do great reference checking but if you you put um, scalable tools in in people in inexperienced people hence they can also use it very qualitatively which is something that that is a big upside i think of digitizing the recruitment process and using digital tools as a whole rather than sitting with your excel sheet making sure that you're getting in touch with these candidates what should i say to them i kind of have guidelines from hr or recruitment but i'm but i'm kind of doing it my own way and, and then just the recruitment process does become as, as scalable and efficient. And it usually doesn't lead to as, as good of a candidate experience either. And there seems to be so much to it, Nicholas. Is there any other kind of hidden gems, kind of hidden benefits um, when we think about reference checking? Is there any other pieces of unlocked potential, Nicholas, that you see with it? Or what are some of the key benefits you've, you've kind of seen so far? Yeah, I think that... that uh, <laughs> The, the funny thing with my now two and a half years of experience, almost three working with reference checking specifically is that most people haven't thought, thought too much of, of how they want to do it. Uh, it's like when, when, when we meet with a lot of uh, organizations there, it's like we bring very basic ideas to them and they're like, they're, they're thinking it's obvious, but, but it's, it doesn't seem obvious. It seems almost like a waste of time to sit down with your HR or recruitment group and, uh, and talk about how you're going to do your reference checking. It seems a little bit redundant, but, but uh, the, it, making sure that, that when it comes to like fairness, uh, if you want to keep your recruitment process structured and trying to ask and to keep same kind of interview process, same kind of recruitment process, and also reference check process is going to bring you a lot more fair and, and clear recruitment process, make it easier for you as a recruiter to judge uh, and make decisions on the data that you're collecting in your reference checking. Um, but also just to be to, a few examples, like I've been saying with the competency framework to use your competency framework questions uh, kind of, you try to use the same kinds of questions you're using in your interview process, but asking the same ones for your referees. Um, also something that, that we've had quite a few users do is, is to kind of leave the red flags behind. And they're saying that we, this is a candidate that we have put a lot of effort into. We like this candidate. We're, we're most likely going to hire this person. Um, now we're looking to get, how can we get this person ramped up as soon as possible? Uh, so it's much more of, a, of an onboarding purpose and, and asking questions such as what kind of leadership does this person need? What kind of communication? What support? Th these questions that, that will have them up and running much sooner. Brilliant. And I think, Amir, it probably sounds like a, a kind of a technology that will probably kind of change over time. I know it's been a 
a big period of change previously. Obviously, I think as Nicholas mentioned there, since 2018, I think it was, things got going, then there was a big period of change in, with COVID and everything. So it's probably something that you'll continue to look and adapt over time, I'd imagine, as, as trends do continue to change, Amir, would that be the case? Yeah, definitely. And uh, I think uh, the onboarding part of it is uh, yet to be uh, also discovered. And uh, I think we need a lot of of research in uh, how we actually onboard someone in the best uh, way, because on the onboarding process is still uh, also, as I, I have um experienced it and an unstructured process and and i also think you know um the recruitment process is now treated as an isolated process right but it shouldn't be it's a part of the the um, employee journey as a whole uh so the data that we get from the uh recruitment process is a great uh ground for development and for improvement and for onboarding uh, but we don't use it in that way uh, whether it comes to the reference checking information or the interview the information we get from the interview or um, any other process steps really so here i think we need to be really you know um uh, progressive going forward and proactive i should say um and and stop to to look at the recruitment process as an isolated process yeah i think another thing we always mention on this podcast as well mary is the the business case i know we've kind of hit on a few of the various benefits and stuff there but i think i suppose in a a kind of summary kind of form what what is kind of the business case for investing in not just things like reference checking but in these kind of areas of hr because i know it's obviously it's a busy time for everyone so there has to be a business case they would always say it's worth you know reviewing what's out there on the market and speaking to providers like RefApp and and seeing what the system could actually do and what the costs associated with that system might be and then going in and seeking support from those other managers around you that might assist whether that's in finance someone looking at your business case checking it from a sense perspective um you know really thinking carefully about each element of it and looking at not just the cost of a platform or the cost of a system but also looking at what is the uh, time savings what are the benefits that you can gain um, and if you're doing like Amira says looking at the recruitment process you know we've been doing it the exact same way since I started in HR um, you know with with you know developments and changes I would say at the sourcing level but we're not seeing a lot of development around the interview itself and we're not seeing a lot of development around the reference checking piece. I think a lot of HR people kind of have the view at this stage that when they go looking for a reference, certainly from a large organization, they're more likely to be told, um, you know, it's our policy not to provide, a, you know, a character reference. We'll confirm the date someone was employed, maybe the duties that they did um, and the role that they held. I think you could actually get more from that. And many organizations do give you richer data than that if you go and pursue it. Um, so I'm a real believer that 
you know, when you're making that business case, you've really got to, you know, look at the kind of limitations that you set in your own mind. Amira, do you have any view on, on, on putting together a business case? Oh, I sure have. Um, the, I think the time-saving aspect of it all, uh, it's easy to uh, to uh, look at time to hire and actually, you know, uh, see that this will reduce time to hire. Uh, so in that case, uh, it, it really has been for our clients so far a, no-bra- a no-brainer. Uh, but I mean, I also think that it's hard for recruiters that they are the ones you know, having to build a business case, but it, because it's also, you know, like um, we know that we should recruit, uh, we should look more at potential when we recruit, right? We should look more into power skills and, and soft skills uh, than we do, but this cannot be something uh, that a recruitment person or a, a talent acquisition manager uh, will, you know, initiate uh, because if we hire for a potential, but once inside the company, there's no training for skills, then I mean, uh, it all, you know, collapses, right? So this has to be like a company decision and it will also uh, need other kinds of initiatives on the inside. For example, uh, we've started to see in a greenhouse initiatives like um, uh, recruiting junior uh, people or people with uh, no experience within the area. But then there's like this uh, greenhouse where, you know, uh, you uh, have a structured onboarding and you have, you know, uh, uh, really uh, thought about how to train for the skills so that you can uh, get the most out of these uh, people with high potential as soon as possible, right? So that's an example of also uh, the company and the recruiters uh, has to be aligned as well. Um, So I think that's also really important. But I mean, uh, the time saving aspect of it is, is, you know, a a clear business value. And just to add on to that, I think that this this problem becomes much more apparent for the companies that that are hiring for hard to find roles consistently. If you're hiring for a specific kind of engineer, um, um, you know every every fall or every autumn, then you need to build something else and just a good recruitment process. You need to put time into what Amir is saying, a greenhouse project or employer branding or these things that will attract these uh, these kinds of engineers that you're looking for early. Um, however, now with, with the skill cri- skills crisis um, that's apparent in today's candidate market, it becomes much more apparent for these kinds of initiatives for, for more companies. It's, it's showing that this is necessary. Um, and uh, it's, as we were just discussing the other day, me and Amir, this is, this is a strategic, it comes from even from the, from the executive seat to put this kinds of initiatives into HR and recruitment to, to, um, to make the strategic move to, to really have a, a sustainable talent plan almost. Yeah, I think that's something we've seen from a lot of aspects of HR over the recent number of years. It's how many of these things that are typically HR programs, HR initiatives really do touch on a lot of the business and I think one thing you said earlier Mary that really jumped out to me is that phrase of this is the way we've always done things and I think we're, none of us are fans of that phrase especially when we talk about 
things like the skills crisis, the I suppose the aftermath of the pandemic, things like the future of work. I remember talking about the future of work five or six years ago with people. And when they were talking about the future of work, they were referencing 2019, 2020. You know what I mean? So the future is kind of now, and I think people do need to obviously catch up. But it's great to see that there is things like this out there that do kind of, um, I suppose, broaden out a lot of these issues. I don't see in the future of HR that HR sits separately and distinctly away from the business making decisions in order to be most effective the people agenda needs to be at that senior level and these decisions are made by the business in terms of talent acquisition these decisions are business decisions, they're not HR decisions alone, but HR can bring it to the table because, you know, obviously our, the majority of our listeners here are from the people profession, they're HR people, but we do have, you know, uh, CEOs and, and managers and um, various people who are interested in HR topics, but it's predominantly HR people. And when you're looking to introduce something new into the organization, it starts with looking at it, checking it out, making sure you're satisfied with it, um, and then starting to build your business case so that when you do present it to the rest of the business, that it makes sense. And you're talking the same language as the rest of the business when you're talking about investments in technology. Definitely. One of our colleagues comes from uh, from a big recruitment and staffing company where you had to build business cases in order to um, to uh, yeah have have uh, grounds for why you were going to do the things you wanted to do as a manager. So we we when we started with Rafa, we he built a, a an Excel sheet that basically calculated the ROI, and we had so many HR people that and, and you could tailor this to your own settings it wasn't like preset but we had so many HR people it's like did you have anything that you can give us to kind of like you know strengthening our our, our uh, say when we're presenting this to management so I think that to have the tangible uh, numbers uh, is, is huge and also like you're saying Mary to involve the right people um, just like in, in terms of also competitiveness, as, as you were touching on, I, I think that we've I've heard specifically from from users in RefUp saying that that um, since because of the the candidate market that is today, performing a a structured reference check quickly and being able to offer the job quicker makes you get a a competitive advantage compared to the other offerings, uh, the other companies that are offering for this candidate. I mean, to, to hire the top talent is, is hard, but also you don't want to, you don't want to, you don't want to be with a candidate or, or offer a candidate that, that is good, but not the right fit. So making sure that you're following your recruitment process and your assessment steps in order to, to uh, find the great candidates, but also the right candidates, I think is, is a huge point uh, that that actually I've heard from from our customers. Definitely, that's what, it's one point that we actually didn't mention yet. It's the, the war for talent you kind of alluded to there, Nicholas. But again, it's another one of those many reasons um, why people can, HR teams out there can take a look at their processes like this and really kind of look at the benefits and try and implement them. 
So thank you, huge, huge thank you to, to Amira and Nicholas and Mary for such an insightful discussion. Again, it's something I didn't know too much about before this call. And again, I, I'm not going to claim to be an expert now, but there's so much to it. So it was great to hear all that, that information. Thank you to everyone, obviously, for listening as well. We'll catch you next week for the next installment of our podcast. So don't forget to click subscribe and join the discussion on our social media channels. Make sure to check the show notes for useful resources related to today's topic, which will share some of the things that Nicholas and Amira spoke to us about today. And as always, for HR consultancy services and management you can trust, get in touch with us today at insighthr.e. Thank you, Amira. Thank you, Nicholas. And thank you, Mary. Thanks for having us. Thanks, Million. Thanks, Owen. Thanks for joining us today on the HR Room podcast, the podcast series from Insight HR that helps you create the human resources systems and workplace culture that's right for your business. For show notes and bonus content, go to www.insighthr.ie forward slash podcast. That's www.insighthr.ie forward slash podcast. We'd love it if you subscribe, like and share the show with any friends and colleagues who are looking for fresh ideas on how to create the ideal workplace for their business. And remember, if you need any HR support, get in touch with us at Insight HR. Whether it's conducting a complex workplace investigation, filling a gap by providing you with a virtual or an on-site HR resource, or providing advice via our HR support line, we'll help you resolve whatever human resources challenge your business is facing. Thanks, and see you soon.